If you're looking for a hunting and fishing podcast that celebrates wild food ingredients and how to acquire them, check out the Food Afield podcast. We take you into the field with us while we adventure for food in the backcountry. The focus is on traditional bow hunting and fly fishing, but we explore all of the ways to fill your freezer. You can listen to the Food Afield podcast on Spotify and Apple or wherever you find your podcasts. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.theweightcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company, blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, are listening. you are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. When I hooked this fish, it took me up and down the waterway as many times as, as it could. And then when I finally started to get it close to the net, I realized this fish wasn't going to fit. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, okay, well, if I get him vertical, I can get him to like slide in head first into the net because on his side, there was no chance that he was going to fit in the width of the, of the Moby. He was, he wow. was way too big. So I was, I was hoping that I was going to be able to get his head in. Well, with a carp and their big, uh, peck fins sticking out the side, he wouldn't even fit in the Moby that way. Is that right? So it was, it, I've, I, I would, I wouldn't say that he, I wouldn't like to say that he was over 25 pounds, but he's probably close. Cause I, I, here's what happened. He came up close to shore and his mouth was open. The fly was in the t- up in the top of his mouth. And I reached down to try and lip him like you would a sturgeon or a bass. Right. Like yeah. not with my, not with my thumb, with my entire four fingers going into his mouth and my thumb going to the bottom. Wow. And I could fit all four fingers into his mouth and grabbed onto him and when he started thrashing my uh middle finger knuckle hit my uh barbless blob and popped it out of his mouth and then i ended up uh dropping him (laughs) but he was the the basket's over 28 inches long on that and he was you know well over the length of that probably pushing the uh 35 inch mark the Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on The Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Real happy you chose to join us. And we're going to take you out. We're actually headed out to uh, Grand Prairie, but we're going to talk to a fellow from Chase, British Columbia, Canada, who I have uh, been following for a few years on social as far as uh, hunting and fishing stuff. But uh, we've got Cameron Coates on the line. He's guide with Legacy Bighorn uh, Hunting and Fishing, does a ton of fly fishing, and uh, there's a lot we can dig into on this one. Cam, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, uh, why don't we, I always like to start at, kind of the beginning because i know you're a pretty passionate guy you're out there a lot um it's kind of what you do but um where did this start for you like growing up in chase i i I don't know maybe you didn't grow up in chase but wherever you grew up talk to me about how fly fishing kind of started and and where you got the bug so i grew up uh, born and raised in uh in chase and uh i really got my start into fishing my parents back in the day uh my well my father read about um dragon lake uh bc in a magazine and uh ever since my i was uh you know in my my mother's belly they started a uh a annual fishing trip up to dragon lake which would soon pretty much control my life of where it went from there i uh I got my start in fly fishing there, you know, from when I couldn't walk, sitting in the boat with my dad and then slowly learning and going from a spin cast rod up there to a, uh, a fly rod. And, uh, you know, growing up in Chase, we have 
you know, so many waters mm. around uh, the interior there. You know, we're just a hop, skip, and jump away from Kamloops. Yeah, for sure. So I spent a lot of time up in that area, and I know, uh, well, I think back in the day, I think like White Lake and, of course, the old Adams River Run and, and some of those fisheries up there. I mean, I, you were probably spoiled as a kid. Absolutely. You know, within 30 minutes of my, my hometown, like, well, home, you know, growing up as a kid, not being able to uh, to drive anywhere, I could hop on my bike and just ride down to the river and fish the South Thompson. And, uh, you know, that river's quite the treat as well. Um, just, uh, just around each corner, there's a couple little pothole lakes. The, uh, you know, my dad would take me fishing out on the shoe shop and, uh, you know, back in the day, fishing the mouth of the little river and Adams and stuff. We used to catch some pretty big fish back in the day out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, pretty much every which way you go, you have somewhere to cast a line or somewhere to hike up, put on the hiking boots and go hunting. So how come you're joining us from uh, Grand Prairie today? Because I know Chase is home, but I know you've also been, you just come out of the bush for the last week or two. Uh, what have you been up to lately? So starting uh, September 1st, I started uh, r- running this outfit uh, for Legacy Bighorn. And uh, what we're doing is guiding uh, Rocky Mountain Bighorn hunts out here. Hmm. So we've, we just, we started on the first, we had our first round of 300s, which we came out uh, um, two out of three successful. And then after that, we had one more hunter, and uh, he came out successful as well. So that being said, we're at pretty much a 75% success rate, which is higher than they've ever had. Hmm. Um, it's been some 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 nice, easy hunts. And then this last one was the last grueling take where we, we spent 11 days in the mountains covering, you know, just kilometers on kilometers of hiking and uh, blisters and, you know, eating dehydrated meals and snow and rain. And then finally on the 11th day, my hunter got his ram and completed his grand slam. Wow. That's awesome. I, I mean, I, I've hunted a little bit back in the day, but it's not, I mean, I'm more a fly fisher for sure, but I can't imagine, I mean, it's one thing chasing muleys and coolies, but it's probably a whole other ball game scrambling over rocks for 11 days. Oh yeah, it's it's something. You know, we uh we got we got uh some luxury on this last hunt. One of our guides had a hot tent, but uh in some of these uh trips here it got it got cold. And uh you know, normally we're actually packed up and out of here by October first, but we had a uh a client have a family issue and he's actually having to come come back in and uh we're gonna be heading back into the mountains here at the uh, about mid uh, mid October, so mm. I got some time to kill up here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time because I know you've been super busy. Um, and uh, full disclosure, Cam's on the road here. Got the uh, I guess pulled over and the windows closed. So, so <laughs> it's uh, maybe not the best sound quality, but I'm gonna try to do the best we can here. Hey, um, okay, so we, we kind of established where you grew up, kind of how you got into fishing. Um, if you had to look back and say, you know, this person influenced me, sound like your dad probably had a big role to play in that. But if you had to look at some of the people you've learned from and kind of, uh, um, you know, I'd say mentored you, who, who would you cite as influences? Oh, uh, there is so many growing up in, uh, in Dragon Lake, there is a, an annual crew of, uh, old time veterans that were from, from that water that, uh, truly taught me everything that I know about, uh, it's still water fishing. Um, you know, a major one being Brian, which, you know, it's nice to be able to call him, call him a friend now who went from just this idol that, you know, invented most of the tactics that we use. And then, uh, one amazing, uh, mentor that I had was, uh, Windy Way, this, uh, old fella he 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 taught me lots i i listened to him watched him tie flies and uh they he was kind of a legend on the lake and you know there's he never took photos of fish that he caught they catch tons and uh just learning from some of these guys that really you know pioneered a lot of these stillwater ways mm. um it's it's rumored that windy actually was one of one of the first people to invent a, a belly boat there mm. is a a belly boat in a shop down in his hometown that was made from a uh, leather saddle company and if they had an inner tube inside it and they, they uh, some people don't really know but it, he might be one of the first people to invent a, a belly boat you said his name was windy windy way windy way as he passed on or is he still with us uh i don't 
believe he's passed on. He stopped coming up to Dragon Lake uh, quite a, quite a few years ago. Yeah. Um. He it's funny. He asked me for help on an iPad as a as a kid, and I gave him help. And what what I didn't know is that after giving him this help, he gave me pretty much all the fly tying gear that he had with him up in Dragon Lake, and uh, that I'm still using all of that gear today like hmm. some of the original gunmetal and uh there's just some swedish uh uh tying uh, scissors and stuff just some amazing things that I've, i'll hold with me for as long as i can that's really cool when you I, I now i don't know this person wendy but it sounds like a bit of a legend and maybe somebody we should re- reach out to but um <laughs> yeah what does it mean to have somebody like that kind of show you the ropes uh, it, it means everything, you know, he, I was a little bit too young to, uh, really acknowledge what I was learning, but nowadays when I look at all the, I, there's so many people up there that I won't be able to remember everybody's names. Um, it's just a, a problem that I have, but you know, it, it really shaped my entire life because growing up after, uh, after I finally stopped going to Dragon Lake after 17 consecutive years, um, I really got to watch the evolution of stillwater fishing, and it really shaped my life in the fact that everything I do uh, is based around the outdoors. And I just, even my hunting, just going stillwater fishing, you see when the animals are feeding, even like fish, deer, cows, everything. When something's feeding, you know, mm-hmm. they're all feeding. It's just, yeah. it's weird how everything turns together yeah i i agree and i really i don't know if you're a big solander tables guys i got this app um years ago and i you know what i do it's not like i rule my fishing trips around it but i try to go when there's some major feeds for sure especially on full moons or or a dark moon um it seems so much better and that you know how I notice it, Cam, is on the way to the lake, I see the deer, I see the bucks, I see, you see animals moving around, and, and it's, um, I don't know what it is, you're bang on, it uh, it definitely drives a bus. I'll come off the lake, and you'll go, okay, when was the major feed, and sure as heck, a lot of times it's like, you know, bang on within, uh, you know, like 10, 20, 30 minutes for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's funny how everything comes comes around together. Uh, yeah, you know, you see you see a cow laying on the side of the lake, which you know a lot of our lakes in the interior have cattle running around them. Yeah. And you know, when when the cows are up and feeding, sometimes the fishing is just a little bit better than when they're laying down and you know chewing their cud. There's um there's more than one occasion I used to launch the belly boat back in the day and step in a few of those pies. And then yeah, you, get, absolutely. you get home in the truck and your boat just reeks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've, I've been there. What What is it with, I find a lot of these lakes, and let's face it, like Douglas Lake Ranch, um, uh, I think of Nicola Ranch, I think of other ranches that I've spent time around fishing. The fish are bigger where the cattle oh, are. Yeah. Why, why is yeah. that? I'm, you know, I'm not sure if it's nutrients coming in from the uh, from the ground around it. Because it seems like a lot of these, uh, you know, cattle lakes and, you know, farmland lakes, it seems that the scuds are just a little bit uh, more prominent in there. They have a little bit better feed. You know, maybe it's something yeah. in, the, in the ground coming, coming around them, but it yeah. sure seems that way. Well, and I think, too, and we talked about this a lot in the past on this show, but where that um, rangeland meets the timber is kind of yeah. think of all the good lakes in the Kamloops, Nicola, Thompson, and even in the Caribou, where that grassland meets the forest. There's usually some pigs. Absolutely, and you know, big fish is kind of my thing. I don't, yeah, uh, I don't. I've I've been pretty lazy in the in the past couple of years with uh, stillwater fishing, but I try to only get out and target big fish lakes. I'm not into going out and catching. 50 60 fish days on you know half pounders it's just not my cup of tea unless i'm with a bunch of good friends having a a fun time but if i'm gonna go out there you know if you see me on a lake there's probably a chance that i'm there's some big fish around yeah yeah no i get that it's okay to catch a few little ones but you need a chance like just knowing getting on any piece of water knowing there's a chance at least a five six pounder is always kind of motivating absolutely and you know um i'm i sometimes kind of push it push it more than that if i'm uh if i'm out there fishing there's pro- 
probably a chance at a at an eight plus pound fish you know i i really used to go hard trying to catch a, a 10 pound fish every year which hmm. i'm i've got a, quite a few of them under my belt uh more than most people but you know i'm only sitting on waters that yeah. have that size of fish and uh you know there's a lot of days that i've gone home skunked yeah. and then all of a sudden one day you know i i get a giant and then everyone's like wow you're so you're so lucky it's like well if you fish the lakes that i fish you're probably gonna you're probably gonna get one <laughs> yeah it's a numbers game but it's funny i think social media kind of messes with us right like i see you holding up this 10 12 pounder and then it's like uh well it must be like that every day where you're at <laughs> right the reality is you got to put some time in I might have caught one fish in three days of fishing or yeah, <laughs> like yeah exactly you know, yeah i love it you, you know you know a lake near my place uh that's you know it, it's not a not a well hidden hidden lake but i'm not gonna say its name because it's been blown up in the in the past but you know i've i've fished that lots and seen nobody catch fish and all of a sudden one day one of those days i get a 10 or i see somebody else get a 10 yeah and uh a lot of people's personal bests have come off that water but it just takes the dedication of sitting there and enjoying the water rather than uh trying to catch all these tiny little fish <laughs> all right man i want to get a chance to know you off the water you ready for a few questions that kind of have more to do with your day-to-day -day? absolutely uh let's talk tunes um so you're heading in your truck to your favorite spot what's playing on the stereo uh, a lot of it right now is kind of uh new folk folkish music um you know, a lot of like Tyler Childers, uh, yep. Zach Bryan, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it used to be a lot more of the like nineties country. Yeah. Um, if, uh, if you catch me alone, there might be some like nineties pop music, just absolutely blaring or, <laughs> you know, some, some stuff that you know, you've never heard of, but most of the time it's, uh, some folk music or, uh, nineties country. Yeah. Love it. So probably... Uh, not the highway, but uh, like uh, Y2K, Y2 Country, probably. Yeah, Y2K, and then uh, and then yeah, just some downloaded albums that don't really make it to to uh, the radio. Yeah, love it. One pattern that accounts for a lot of your big fish. You're willing to tell us about? <laughs> um, yeah, actually, you know, I will. It's called. It's a. It's this uh, kind of a cr a chromy green with a uh, copper rib. Um, mm. I'll 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 say it as that. Uh, the guys up at Dragon Lake know it as something else, but um, we won't describe that because I've I honestly I've probably fished the one fly in the last six years of stillwater fishing. It's always on one of my rods in a certain size, and uh, I've myself have barely been able to replicate it. But it's yeah, it's a chromy greenish color with a. Uh, hmm. A brown thorax, uh, black bead, and uh, white gills. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I th uh, you're kind of describing a limey, but maybe I'm out in left field. Um, oh, it's a it's it's close. You know, it's got the let's say the underbody's about that, but it's it's yeah. got a weird a, a weird coating over it. So, are you putting to use a lot of these um, old time materials that you picked up from Wendy back in the day that may or may not be readily available today? Yeah, you know, I got uh, I got some of that gun original gunmetal, and uh, that used to be growing up. That was one of my my flies. You, I would go through my dad's box while we're sitting in the same boat and steal them all and put them in my box. <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize like how hard it was to actually come by that true original gunmetal. And uh, when Wendy gave me all that that gear, yeah, I've, I uh, I use that a lot. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm really into like the old natural uh, style flies, like you know Brennan and them are starting to get back into. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I definitely use a lot of a lot of their tactics. Uh, you know, there's go even coming back from indicators, like they they don't even use uh, um, pop indicators; they use uh, direct uh, corkies with pegs in them. Because mm. I want you know that's back in the day, that's all we had. When right. I first started uh, fly fishing the indicators, that's what it was. It was a corky with a peg in it. Is that what you're still using? Uh, I I kind of use a quick release at most of the time, as long as uh, if I'm fishing some deep water. But uh, I I definitely don't mind putting a, a corky on and pegging it. Are you a swivel guy? I'm a big swivel guy. Uh, I I like the swivel. I like getting straight down there. Yeah. Um, 
black i don't black yeah yeah so i've I, i've i've used some silver and whatnot but uh i like getting down there and i like using big swivels bigger swivels like 10 10s sometimes yeah about 10s uh yeah. i if i use a 14 i normally put a um the squish on putty around them and turn them into a bullet weight oh yeah there's a tip how, how long is your lead usually coming off that swivel uh i get lazy sometimes and i i i forget i keep ch- cutting my fly because i change my flies a lot and sometimes it'll get down to a foot before i realize i'm not catching anything or i'm getting a lot of false hits and they're eating my swivel so normally it's about three three feet depending on the water sometimes five pushing five in case i have to go deep so if it's a swivel grab you're probably going gunmetal <laughs> yeah exactly i'm going i'm going gunmetal i got lots of them <laughs> i love it um so where do you get your fix cam when you're not in your waders not on the water like when it comes to fly fishing is there a place that you go to whether it's like a fly shop or is it social media for you you don't strike me as a huge social media guy for some reason but is there is there a place that you get your fix when you're not fishing? Uh, you well, like like you said, uh, I I used to be a really big social media guy back in the day. It meant a lot more to me, and I uh, you know, I post one once a week trying to keep relevant and you know keep the followers flowing. But they kind of just came as I uh, as I progressed through my business. Uh, you know, I love the guys down at Trout Waters. Whenever I go through, I uh, stop in and visit them. Um, I got family out in. Uh, out in Lumbee, so I stop in at the the shop out there, and uh, you know, oh, push yeah. it around. Kencraft. Oh yeah, Kencraft. Kencraft. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a go to. Some awesome. <laughs> there's some awesome people of where have worked there. You talk about you talk about like some materials you may or may not see anywhere else that probably they purchased twenty five years ago. That's still. Oh yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, I know. I feel that. Absolutely. I get. Yeah, lost. no, and they're really accommodating out there. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, favorite sports team, man. So, um, who are you pulling for? Are you a hockey guy, football? Um, dial me in. So, I used to used to play hockey as a kid. I uh, I stopped uh, after a ankle injury, and uh, that ankle injury caused me to stop playing hockey. And as soon as I stopped stopped playing hockey, I got into hunting and fishing more, which really took over my life. Mm. And I can honestly say that the last time I have, I haven't watched a sports game or anything in years. If I have to, it'd probably be something like a Blue Jays game. My family's really into it, but uh, not not much into the sports. I spend more time uh, out in the mountains, like mm. every second. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um let's talk lessons learned like um something i like to ask and this is a huge question i realize it but why do you do this like what what is fly fishing spending time out in the bush um doing your hunting what does it bring into your world uh it it brings in an absolute connection with the land you know i have first nations heritage and uh live on the reservation out in chase but um it really brings back a connection with my people. Um, I, I typically only hunt and fish within my traditional territory of Sequetmagulu, which is the shoe shop territory. Um, I'm from the Adams Lake Indian band out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it really brings back this, this, uh, heritage and connection with the land that, uh, you know, our people have lost, uh, during COVID, I, got back into working in machinery, heavy duty mechanics and, uh, operating machinery. And during those two years, I didn't get to do any guiding, very little fishing, very little hunting. And, uh, I realized, you know, I was missing something and I didn't realize it till late, you know, I started gaining weight and then I, uh, I realized that the outdoors is where, where my connection is. And I, uh, I feel at home out there. Hmm. So I, uh, i dropped that job and I got back into guiding full-time whether that's uh filling my season all the way from uh spring bear uh guiding to to uh guiding on you know still water lakes and rivers and then you know a brief pause in the summertime and then coming up here and guiding sheep hunts from September till mid-October um after sheep hunting we go down to the Kootenays and we guide uh, mountain goat hunts uh, till about mid-November. And then after mid-November, I would, uh, either go, 
up to around Prince George and guide cat hunts or out to the South Chilcotin and guide cat hunts out there as well. And then from then on, it's uh, just personal hunting all winter uh, with friends and uh, family. And I, um, besides that, it's just a, a year round connection on the land. Mm. Nothing feels like home like out there. Yeah. You just reminded me of some pics. I always, you had a lot of cougar and uh, hound, <laughs> hound pics back in the day. But yeah, uh, well, you still got dogs? Yeah, I I still have my dogs. I just uh I don't post post too much anymore. Uh you know what you do see online or some highlights of it. Uh I've found that also back when I used to guide cat hunts a lot more, uh the hunters that would come in wouldn't appreciate uh what the work that goes into the dogs as much as I would. All they cared about was the uh photo at the end with an animal. Mm-hmm. Um for me I got hounds because I had this deep connection with, uh, with mountain sheep, um, growing up in chase, we have a, had a herd out there and it's slowly declining. And one of the big, uh, declining uh, reasons was, uh, predators. And, uh, one of the big ones is, uh, cougars. So I got, I got hound dogs and, uh, quickly fell in love with it. And, uh, yeah, running my dogs is all I do from pretty much first snowfall till the snow leaves in March. Hmm. So that's predator control was a huge thing and it's a, an amazing food source. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, let's talk jobs. I have a feeling you're doing it right now, but maybe not. What's the best gig you've had so far? Uh, sheep guiding probably, uh, you know, I've, I've worked as a he- like I said, a heavy duty mechanic and an operator. I've ran crews of guys, you know, twice my age, um, the money's definitely better in the mechanicing and uh, operating, but, uh, you know, I don't spend much money while I'm out guiding and, uh, it's, it's the life, you know, every day I'm out doing what I love and, you know, being paid for it. So yeah. it's, uh, that, that's my thing. You know, I, it, if you work hard at this life, if you really want it, you can make a good living in it. What's the worst job you've ever had? What's the one thing you did? You're like, I never want to do that again. Oh my God. I, I worked in an office, uh, office furniture supply store and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, kind of bridging a gap in between, um, I was going to school to be an industrial electrician and it was bridging the gap between my first year of being an electrician and my second year, I just needed a job. And, uh, I hated that. (laughs) <laughs> putting together pretty much ikea furniture every day and traveling oh and, that would be hell oh, i can't i oh, hate it was, building it was that horrible yeah <laughs> it was like, absolutely horrible anything that comes with instructions i struggle with oh, oh yeah and it, it was it was bad and you know just recently i think uh before that i was working at wholesale sports so and you know i loved i loved mm. working there so yeah going from from a job like that going to university and then just needing some extra cash and doing that it was it was a terrible life change <laughs> that was uh wholesale sports in kamloops or which store yeah in kamloops yeah 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 it still strikes me like they're they're I mean, I know there's a fly shop there now, but there was, there was a dry period there for quite a while where it's like, how can there not be a fly shop in Kamloops? Absolutely. And casting loops now in, in Kamloops, you know, I, I don't get into Kamloops as much as, I, as I'd like to, but casting loops is an amazing story. You know, really accommodating. You, you ask, even if they don't have it in the sort, ask. Yeah. You'll, uh, you'll get it in for you. It's like, you know, it, it really resembles trout waters in a sense that way Mm -hmm. uh they they accommodate to everything not just fly fishing but like when they do have for their fly fishing stuff it's all high-end gear and exactly what you need nothing that you don't yeah love it um where where do you get what's your source for fly fishing news like are you like uh you know like uh say fly fishing mag guy are you reading um periodicals is it social media where do you get your fix in the fly fishing space for news it'll be it'll definitely be the social media probably the facebook uh aspect of it right. lots of guys like posting on on uh still waters mm-hmm. uh you know there's some guys post a little bit more than more than they should and then uh you know might ruin a water or two but at least i know hey the, the hatch is going off over there <laughs> it's amazing what you can pick up and how current it is right 
Oh yeah. If you, if you, uh, are an investigator like, uh, like myself or Brennan, we can, uh, we can pick off a lake just, but you can blur out the background. We'll still figure it out. Yeah. It's almost like a challenge, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I feel absolutely. That. Hmm. Well, like you see on, uh, probably one of the, one of the last, uh, recent photos that I posted, I, I blurted out the, uh, the black background of a, of a wild rainbow. And then uh, I posted that to Instagram. But when it came around to April, which was about the time that I caught it, I photoshopped the background to be Morgan Lake. (laughs) Oh, oh, (laughs) I do. I remember that one. That one, actually, I was a little pissed off. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, (laughs) and it looked like a river fish. I'm like, what? It looked like something out of the Thompson that you're holding up. (laughs) Yeah, it was was down near a steelhead. Yeah. that was the first wild wild rainbow since I was a kid that I've seen go over ten pounds. So, so it was uh it was pretty amazing to Photoshop and put it on there. <laughs> so, so you're just having a go at people. I see what's going on here. Exactly. I, I do remember that and I I'm not gonna lie, me and my buddy were going, Where is that? Where is that? <laughs> and then I mean I I I have not fished Morgan. I know it's a big lake. I try to stay away from the real ones where everybody always goes, but um yeah that's money wow yeah it was funny because uh i thought of it a couple days before uh doing it and you know being with the uh interior stillwater uh guys we i posted it into the group chat saying hey uh who has a photo of morgan lake (laughs) and of course jordan's like i got you sends me a photo you know an hour later of bouncing around in the rock truck while i was on site editing with one hand on photoshop uh i was able to create that photo and post it <laughs> and the amount of people that didn't realize it was april fools was amazing oh that's what okay yeah i just remember i don't remember when it was i remember looking at it going <laughs> what in the world okay well even, even brian commented on it he's like oh come on cam there's gonna be 50 people at the lake tomorrow now now that they know it's iced oh, off yeah fair <laughs> well and that's the that's the flip side to that hmm yeah, Morgan's blown up. It, as soon as it, it ices off, the Fly Guys post that it's iced off and there's 50 people there anyways, between that and Six Mile. Yeah. Uh, if, if, you know, if you know the lakes that have big fish, there's a lake that ices off one week every year, one week after Morgan. So I just wait a week and go fishing there. Yeah, I do the same. So where I'm at, I'm further south. There's a couple of trophy lakes that are quite famous and... I don't even go there. It, it'll, I don't, when the ice comes off, it usually comes off in like, say, April. I won't even go there till like June just because I, I there's too many people. <laughs> it's, it's no fun. And, and well, then I, I was, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I was driving past this, this lake that I, uh, I was ready to fish. And I have a friend that lives right on it and goes down to the lake every day. And there was only enough water open to launch a boat from their dock. And I was gonna go out there and do that. I was gonna walk my boat down the down their dock and then launch it from there. And that night there was a bit of wind, and the lake cleared off. There was nine boats waiting. Hmm. The l- ice wasn't even off yet, and th- these guys just took a chance, I guess, and went. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I remember fishing one lake locally that was fully iced. There was literally it has an aerator on it, and there was a little hole near the aerator but, <laughs> but it's like i don't know yeah. man. it's 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 like can you not just wait a little bit i, I get it you want to get out <laughs> that's when i go to the valley but like i'll go fish okanagan or Skaha or or um you know somewhere like shushwap or somewhere bigger where you know you can at least get exactly. out but there's there's some shushwap water that i fish uh in the early fall early spring like real early and uh, your line guides are freezing up while we're catching, you know, a constant three pound fish every day. So, yeah. and that's 30, 40 of them a day. I can go fish it before I have to ever hit a stillwater lake. That's awesome. Hey, how was the run on the Adams this year? Amazing. So, uh, my uh, Indian band has a, a community fishing license. And for the first time since 2018, we have an allocation of sockeye. And uh, cool. it's, it's amazing. The amount of sockeye numbers that are coming through are just awesome. I know that our community fisheries have been pulling in, you know, some amazing numbers of fish to feed the, feed the community. Isn't there springs in that system too? 
Absolutely. We get the springs that run all the way through uh, Tomorrow Lake and uh, some other tributaries. Yeah. Uh, the Chinook run was a little bit slow this year. Not not the best. Uh, rod and reel guys were doing okay, but, uh, you know, it wasn't lights out like past years. But that's kind of to, to happen on the big four of, you know, the Adams River Sockeye run. Mm-hmm. So this was the big year. Uh, and yeah, so the, the Chinook will be a little bit down, but it's a, it's been amazing. You know, I've, the numbers that I'm seeing coming through and that I've been told have been just, you know, like the old days. Yeah. Well, and it was a fourth year this year, wasn't it? Like every four. That, yeah. That's it. That it was, it was the, it's the big four this year. Yeah. Huh. I know, um, I know the band's kind of down where I'm at and going through Washington state have been working on this system down this end and man, is it ever paying off? It's absolutely uh, crazy. Your guys, your guys' recreational fishery down there for sockeye seems to be booming. You know, the, the guys that go out there every, every day in the morning, you know, get their limit of sockeye. Yeah. You know, what's really cool. So I used to work in a fishing shop, hunting fishing store back. I'm going back to the late eighties, early nineties here and it was such a huge part of the store you know when when not only just when the kokanee were running or when the kokanee were going good but but the uh the sand that's such a it's it brings a lot of dollars not just resources and uh i i know that nobody that took a huge group effort right you think about it all the way absolutely 13 dams or whatever the heck it is coming all the way up into it's just boggles my mind and it uh it's a good news story out of a lot of crappy news stories. You know what I mean? That it is. Yeah. No, it's a, the restoration product, uh, you know, restoration projects going on down there and the conjoined with the bands has just been amazing. You know, the, there's not too many people that care, care more about those, uh, uh, fish than the first nations people and, you know, group together with the people that in the government that, uh, care about the fisheries. It, uh, it, you know, they can move mountains. Yeah. So hundred percent. Yeah, so, um, you know something I always like to ask my guests, Cam, is, uh, I should tell you, so we got Cameron Coates on the line, he's joining us from Grand Prairie, Uh, he's out of Chase, BC, Uh, he's a guide uh, with Legacy Bighorn Hunting Fishing, also uh, Interior Fly Fish Co. as well, did you get out much with those guys this year, or has it been more of a hunting year for you? No, it's been a hunting year. Uh, you know, last year we got out and did uh, a couple community or uh, team building fishing trips, but uh, this year I haven't been able to. Actually, you know what? I've the I've only fished four days on Stillwaters this year. Oh, it wow. was uh, probably the probably the least I've done in my entire life. Uh, you know, it yielded a one one good fish, about seven and a half pounds. But besides that. Uh, I didn't get out fishing much at all this year, so hmm. I didn't, haven't got out and guided for them guys uh, since the the changeover and whatnot. But uh, you know, I, I see some in the future. Just you know, we're they're getting started, doing it right. Well, they've definitely got a a good stable of guides. I've looking at that list, and I've had most of your guys on the show. And uh, yeah, if you want to look look them up, Interior Fly Fish Company. If you're looking for a uh, a guided trip in the interior of BC or beyond. Um, what are you fishing out of these days? I know you guys are, I think you guys are Marlin guys, if I remember for the company, but what are you in your personal time? Like what are you fishing still, still water with these days? So I bought a, when I was 13 years old, I started a job working at the quiet lodge golf course and I saved up a bunch of paychecks and I bought a brand new 1232, uh, low. Hmm like brand new so it's it's a glorified canoe being 32 inches wide and it's one of the tippiest boats ever but still to this day i uh i i rock that boat i've put a deck on it it's you know modded out as much as a as a 12 foot should be and uh but yeah i fish out of that quite a bit i have the funniest uh center console fishing boat you've ever seen and i kind of have it as a comedy piece but i also fish out of it pretty consistently on still waters and uh moving waters as well hmm. it's a 12 foot spring uh spring bo- uh spring brock yeah yep. so you know bought out by prince craft now but it had rear end damage from falling off of a boat loader which i rebuilt it took out the rear seats uh built a floor in it uh put a you know 
allegedly 12 25 horse motor on the back <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> and uh built a center console for it and uh the thing does wheelies like if i punch it you know just the props in the water and it it, it goes like snot but uh yeah it uh it, it goes it's pretty funny it's got a big fishing platform on the front uh i can cruise around lakes and fish for carp uh off the platform and uh you know I, it all works great as a still water boat as well do you fish for carp much i fish for carp more than i fish for rainbows nowadays is that right i totally get Absolutely. i totally see why but man you gotta dial me in i can't catch those damn things with a fly I don't know. So yeah. So here's the thing: is like a lot of people look at them, they're like, "Oh, it's a trash fish." And I was, and then you start talking to them, and people can't catch them. It, they are way smarter than a trout is. Oh, big! Time. You can put you can put any chronomid in the water, and if it's sitting at close to the right depth, you're gonna catch a fish eventually. Yeah. Or like a ruby eye leech. You put a you put something in front of a carp that he doesn't want to eat. He will not. Or if he doesn't want to eat at all, he's not gonna eat. Um. And I fish quite a few different waters for them. And, uh, yeah, like good carp spots are hard to come by. But if you, the, there's a couple of tractor patterns that they, they like eating. Like you'd be surprised by this blobs. They love blobs. Really? The same, the same blobs you use in the still waters, use them for carp. Huh. But pretty much if you can't see a carp, you can't catch them. Blind fishing for them is almost, almost impossible. I've done it a couple times, but it's, very close to impossible you got to see them eat it like Hmm. you're you're setting on every little like movement of when you cast it in front of their face and Hmm. it it comes down to a lot of accuracy a lot of if they're spooky you got to go to a really light fly so that they uh um when it hits the water it doesn't spook them uh sometimes you're swapping like i try i've tried to catch them on dry flies and i've only ever had one actually ever eat a dry but I've also seen them ram themselves up onto shore and are eating bugs on dry land and then falling back into the water. Really? Absolutely. They ram themselves right out. Their little mouth is just a going, and then they fall back into the water. But oh. uh, a lot of leech patterns, uh, damselflies, uh, hmm. you know, you you hear in Europe everyone using corn. So you, you use a little yellow blob or something i call it a, the corn blob yeah and uh yeah, that, that works as well are or, you moving uh, that or are you just hanging it uh you want to put it right in front of their mouth if it's uh if it's if they're feeding really lightly then yeah you want it to stay right in front of their face you know so if it falls right in front of their barbells they're probably going to grab it um if I'm casting out a feeding fish, I'll try to cast in front of them and slowly like hand twist it in. Ah. And, uh, they'll, they'll, sometimes they hit it like a freight train oh, and I they know. fight, they fight way harder than a rainbow. Yeah. But you know, what's funny is, is I was out on Skaha and I got into like a close, I must've been close to double digit and it was just like, it was going for the border, man. It was just like, I didn't, I've never had a run out of a trout like that in my life. Yeah, so there's there's a little body of water that nobody really fishes. Uh, it's it's really really urban, and I can say that the fish that I seen ramming itself up on shore was this fish in in this uh, scenario, and I ended up hooking him when he swam over from the opposite side of the waterway to my side, and I was able to dangle a blob in front of his face, hmm. and. I have uh, a Moby XL uh, whale. At the time, it was one of four uh, made by uh, our friend Don down there. And uh, when I hooked this fish, it took me up and down the waterway as many times as as it could. And then when I finally started to get it close to the net, I realized this fish wasn't going to (laughs) fit. And uh, I was like, okay, well, if I get him vertical, I can get him to like slide in headfirst into the net because – on his side, there was no chance that he was going to fit in the width of the of the moby. He was he wow. was way too big. So I was I was hoping that I was going to be able to get his head in. Well, with the carp and their big uh, peck fins sticking out the side, he wouldn't even fit in the moby that way. Is that right? So it was. It, I've I I, would, I wouldn't say that he. I wouldn't like to say that he was over twenty five pounds, but he's probably close because I I here's what happened. He came up close to shore and his mouth was open. The fly was in the t- up in the top of his mouth. 
and I reach down to try and lip them like you would a sturgeon or a bass. Right. Like yeah. not with my not with my thumb, with my entire four fingers going into his mouth and my thumb going to the bottom. Wow. And I could fit all four fingers into his mouth and grabbed onto him. And when he started thrashing, my uh, middle finger knuckle hit my uh, barbless blob and popped it out of his mouth. And then I ended up uh, dropping him. <laughs> But yeah. he was the the basket's over twenty eight inches long on that, and he was, you know, well over the length of that, probably pushing the uh, huh. thirty five inch mark. Yeah, I know how big that net is because uh, that's, yeah. that's if a fish doesn't barely fit in that, it's it's pretty big. Hmm. Yeah, right on. Uh, I want you to paint us a picture, man, of your dream day so um let, let's stick with the still if if that's kind of your go-to absolutely like like who are you hanging out with um what kind of fish are you chasing you know are you having something cold to drink just paint us a little picture uh you know it's yeah I'd, I'd like to still say that my dream day is probably out on uh dragon you know i don't spot sh- spot shame much but dragon's kind of gone for the the other ways but dragon where i grew up uh glass calm days you know everyone likes their windy days but i uh i truly like fishing glass calm for some reason um i've some of my favorite days out on the water have been strings of uh of the stillwater friends boats strung out with you know boats full of people uh myself uh brennan you know i'd say our other buddy cam wyatt uh, Casey, mm-hmm. all them guys, everyone strung out in boats, D- Danny Hollins, all sitting on one, one reed bed. Everyone's smacking fish. The sun's shining. Uh, somebody's playing music, you know, blaring music. Everyone, some people say don't like it, but, uh, I've caught more fish with music playing in my boat than not. Um, <laughs> and, uh, for, for a cold bre- beverage, ah, Whistler's Brewing Company, uh, their forager beer. I, uh, I'll have one or two of those out on the water. Hmm. And uh, other, otherwise, from that, uh, probably a monster in my hand. Everyone that knows me knows I'm kind of hooked on them things. <laughs> my, my life's run on those and two hours of sleep and monster energy. Oh, jeez. Okay, that'll do it. So is there a campfire, if you can do it? Oh, uh, Oh yeah, you know, we we love our campfires, you know, periodically throughout the year we uh we have campfires pretty regularly with our friends. So, we'll uh especially in the winter time, everyone gears together like, you know, Brennan used to have this for, that forerunner of his, he just recently got rid of it. Um, but he would fill that thing to the absolute brim to where it has a lean of firewood. <laughs> and uh I would show up in my uh big dirty diesel or you know now i have a forerunner as well but uh packed to the brim with wood and everyone's you know listening to music we're all talking and uh yeah big fire in the middle are you so when you're going on these trips and you kind of mentioned your boats are you got a boat loader going on or are you pulling a trailer for the most part uh so i i've i have a uh, boat trailers as well um growing up all i had was the uh just throwing it into the back of the truck uh, the 1232 with, I had three decks in it. So I had the front deck, a deck that bridged from the middle seat to the front one, that bridged from the back seat to the back and then the floor. And, uh, that boat was actually super heavy, like hmm. unbelievably heavy. And I wasn't able to get it into the back of the truck very easily. So I'd have to take the decks out and put them in the back of the truck and then throw all the decks in with the motor. It was it was a big hassle. So eventually I built uh, a boat trailer out of materials that I had uh, around my farm mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, going to princess auto, buying all the axles and everything, and then uh, building a boat trailer and it's uh, a tilt deck as well. So wow. when I get to these re- really steep lakes, like lakes that don't really have a boat launch, if it's just a steep shoot down to it, I can uh, tip the boat, boat trailer and, uh, release the boat down the bank and then winch it right back up onto it. I love it. It's funny. So I just got a winch on my taco and I'm trying to figure out, I don't have a boat loader. I got a boat rack, but I got a, um, a journey. And sometimes for one person, it's a little heavy. So I'm trying to figure out a way, whether it's PVC tubing, just to kind of go up the top of the, of the truck and come out the back. And you know how they load those auto automatic boat loaders. I know I'm going to figure this out. It's going to take some work, but 
It's going to happen. Just just run it right over the hood. Who cares about a little wire wrap, right? <laughs> well, that, that talk was fine. It's a little, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. No, I, uh, I actually, there, you'll, you do a little bit more research. There's a couple guys that, uh, that have done it. They would use a, your, your winch is, uh, mounted inside your bumper on the taco. Yeah. So do you have a uh, front trailer hitch on the front? No. Spot for it? Oh, so I know a couple guys that have done it and they have uh, the receiver hitch on the front and they have got a mechanism that goes onto it and runs your winch oh, over the top of the from cab. from the front. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. See, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking of somehow running PVC over the top of the roof rack. Yeah, anyway. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a, well, you know, I've, I've, I do some welding and yeah, heavy duty mechanics, so I got a mind like that, you know, normally when anybody has something come up and, they need an idea of how to mount something to a boat or, you know, build a trailer, you know, redo their wheel bearings. They kind of just come to me and you got it might be, a, it might be a little resified being growing up where I did, but, uh, it normally gets it done. Resified. I like oh, it. Oh yeah. We, so, we call them OITs, old you, Indian tricks. Have, <laughs> have you got a, um, so you got a, um, towing hitch on the front of your truck too? Yeah. So on the, uh, on the forerunner, I have a, a big, you know, a brush bumper on the front, and it has a towing hitch on the front. I can put it in, take it out, and uh, yeah. If I was to try and do an automatic loader, I would probably do it that way. Hmm. Uh, recently, when we did that trip down down your way, and uh, we're fishing for bass, I put the twelve thirty two on top and without the decks, and uh, it was quite a hassle to put it up there because I have a roof rack with a. Uh, jerry cans and everything on it so yeah but when i normally what i'm driving is my my big dodge so i'd probably put it on the on the trailer if not in the back of the boat hmm. back of the truck it it's fascinating game like we had your uh your good buddy casey on and that guy freaking works at um what does he work that cap it yeah i'm just like that cap it that's like a money pit man like oh I absolutely yeah <sighs> And now with all, whenever, go ahead, sir. I was going to say, whenever I need something, you know, normally Casey's got a, either an alternative for it, or he knows what the best price is for something. Like we showed up to the shoe swap, uh, first ice off, uh, to go do some fishing. And, and he noticed that on my, uh, my big Dodge that I didn't have, uh, fen- uh, mud flaps. And immediately he was throwing off all the options that I have to go for, for mud flaps. <laughs> yeah. That's a great story, man. Here, here's kind of a weird one for you. It's a little bit yeah. ph- philosophical, kind of, but is how are we doing in the fly fishing space? Like in your mind, is uh, there's a lot of people on the water right now. Um, how are we doing as a group? Uh, you know what i I love the fishing community as it is. Uh, I would say that I, I even got carried away with the fly fishing community. You know, trying to be, you know the guy that you see on fly fusion magazine or something, you know, I just, I, you, you want to be that guy that everyone focuses on. And, you know, with catching big fish, I kind of got a glimpse of that as a kid and it kind of caught, caught me and took me away from what I was actually doing and wanting to do it for myself. Um, I see that a lot now on social media, especially on Facebook. Uh, there's a couple guys out there that are doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, they, they want their five minutes of fame when really, these guys, if they if they took a little bit more into watching the waters and being out there and enjoying it, they'd probably be a lot more successful rather than trying to spend all this money on the most expensive gear and, you know, they're, they're head to toe in Patagoochie and, you know, they're sitting on top of their Yeti cooler. It's like, <laughs> well, well, that's all great gear and, and it gets the job done. But, you know, all these guys are just doing it for a photo most of the time. Yeah. And yeah. really they, if they got sat back and looked at the, the waters that they're fishing and the guys that are actually out there catching these big fish and they'd probably have a lot more fun out there. <laughs> I, know, I sure know that I did once I stopped, uh, caring about social media. I really, uh, I really got into it more. Well, and it's like anything, really if, start enjoying myself. if you try too hard at anything, it never works out. You know what I mean? It is, you know, you can you can say that about me and my friends. We all were into the social media game. We we thought that was it, and then uh, nowadays we 
my social media is pretty dry. Like I, I don't know the last time I posted. So, <laughs> but I can tell you since, uh, since it was, then I've. It was April freaking first. April first. Oh jeez. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh man. I'm talking about that pick, but I don't know. Oh yeah. I'm talking yeah, about April first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I can tell you since I've. You know, whenever my last photo was, I've broken a personal best on a West Slope Cuddy. I've, uh, you know, I've done some stuff in the mountains. I've, hmm. like, you know, li- life isn't all all on this this electronic device that we have. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, when, once you get away from it, you start enjoying it a lot more. Yeah, amen. I like that. Have you had anything really weird happen to you out there, whether it's hunting or fishing? I mean, I'm... You probably have. It probably happens all the time. But <laughs> it, anything that's kind of in your vault that you're like, yeah, man, you wouldn't believe this actually happened. Well, yeah, there, there's a there's a couple things that have, that have happened. You know, a couple like a couple things like oh, that's a that's a tough tough one. Yeah. Uh, you know, one in a million things happen to to me and my friends all the time because we're just out there, but what's the what's one thing that uh has happened to me um oh geez and you got me any crazy wildlife encounters like um oh. you know like i've had i've had some i've had some close run-ins with uh uh bears while while guiding uh i had one one time when i was doing a photography shoot uh well not a shoot but i just seen a bear up on a hillside i stalked in on it to get a photo it kind of heard my shutter and uh it walked away and i was walking away from it and i noticed that it circled around and was trying to win me so it was now downwind of me trying to smell what i was because it never really seen me Mm -hmm. so i proceeded to still wanting to take a picture of this bear i went down downwind of it and i was keeping a tree between me and the bear and when i got to the tree the bear was at the, at the tree walking at me and I kind of just stood up and said, Hey bear. And it just turned and ran at me. And in the haste of turning and kind of going, it kind of all in a big flash. I, uh, I kicked the bear in the nose <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it turned around and it bo- boogied away and I wow. ran straight for my truck. Um, huh. That's wild. Other things, you know, I've seen I've seen cougars midday, uh, jumping out of horse pens and stuff, going to lakes and going cat hunting. Uh, it's tough to say, like you know, some of these stories that I that I'd have about wildlife, you know, to some people would be once in a million stories, but to mm-hmm. me, it happens quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Have you? One thing I know about cougars, like if you didn't have dogs, how often in your life would you kind of come across one randomly? Uh, myself come across them a lot more. Like before I had dogs, I actually tried hunting them without. Um, and what that entitled was, was walking their tracks, just finding their tracks in the snow and following them. Hmm. Um, and on one occasion, I found a, a deer that a, that a cougar killed. And I looked at the deer and I was like, oh, wow, yeah, you know, this cougar killed this deer. It's kind of partially buried, partially not, like pretty fresh. And then I look over to my right and I was like, oh, there's another deer that it killed. And because uh, sometimes they'll surplus kill like that if they have the opportunity. And I started to walk over towards that deer, which was, you know, 20, 30 yards away underneath a tree. And it jumped up and had a four foot tail and it turned out to be the cougar. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was sleeping under a tree, just you know, oh, next to its kill. Did it leave you alone, or did it? Did you just kind of back out of there? How'd you get away? Well, seeing as I was uh, I was kind of targeting him. I kept following him, but he uh, he hightailed it for the for the trees. You know, nowadays if I was to go after, if I was trying to pursue them again, I probably would have made a lot of noise, and the cat would have went up a tree right there. But right. being that I came, being that I came in stealthy and uh, surprised it like silently not aggressively it you know had enough time to think about it and escape uh with distance rather than just go using its defense mechanism which is go up a tree that's you know it keeps them alive from wolves and uh other animals trying to steal their kills they just go up a tree and wait for them to leave Hmm. most of the time cougars when they're up a tree are actually super relaxed so it's uh you know people think that we're harassing them but we can we can pull the dogs off and the cat just goes back to its usual business. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, well, they're probably pretty comfortable up there. Hmm. Yeah, they'll be sleeping. Awesome. Well, man, I listen, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of dial us in on your fly fishing and, and what you've been up to. And uh, if somebody wants to follow you, Cameron, on social media, if you do post the odd <laughs> pick, where are they going to find you? Uh, you'll find my social media at Coyote Kid Outdoors. Uh, it was a nickname given to me as a as a kid. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's Instagram. And on Facebook, you know, you know Cameron Coates, throw that a follow. And uh, that's that's pretty much all the social media I use. Cameron's guiding with interior fly fishing and a guide with Legacy Bighorn. If you're looking for an amazing bighorn hunting trip, look him up. Uh, he's in Grand Prairie, but based out of Chase, British Columbia. Cameron, thanks for doing this, man. Hopefully we'll run into each other on the water at some point. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm sure we will. All right, man. Take care of yourself. You as well. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.